You're listening to Marcus Sahaba Online Radio Podcast. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi ta'ala wa barakatuhu. Alhamdulillahi wa kafa. Wa salatu wa salamu ala ibadi al-lazina astafa. Wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa man wala. Wa man tabi'ahum bi ihsanin ila yawmin al-jazaa. Wa ba'd respected and esteemed listeners. Right here on Marcus Sahaba, voice of the Ahlu Sunnah. Welcome to this edition of Medical Files where we bring you all the relevant information and we also interview our esteemed guests who will be enlightening us into uh, what is happening in and around the globe and how to treat uh, those specific uh, ailments and uh, sicknesses and how to deal and to cope with all of these things. So uh, tonight, inshallah, my guest is none other than uh, Dr. Imtiaz uh, Dasu. I have requested him personally to come on this platform tonight because I've received many, many questions regarding the alarming rate of uh, that uh, dreaded disease or sickness that starts with a capital C, and uh, that is cancer, respected people, esteemed listeners. Yes, uh, you know, we've seen uh, reports, we've read papers that uh, post-COVID-19, during the mass vaccination period, there's been an increasing amount of uh, increase in the amount of people uh, ranging from age 20 upwards that uh, have uh, become cancer positive. So uh, Dr. Imtiaz is no stranger to the airwaves of Marcus Sahaba. He has uh, lots of experience. He's worked in various different uh, sectors and he's been around for quite some time, alhamdulillah. And that uh, coupled together with his vast knowledge of uh, Tibun Nabawi, Islamic medicine, you know, so inshallah, that tonight, uh, or this beautiful night, that we will be discussing uh, cancer and how to treat cancer and how to live uh, with those who are suffering from this uh, sickness. And remember, people, that every sickness, every disease comes from Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Uh, Dr. Saab, assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi ta'ala wa barakatuh. Welcome to Marka Sahaba on this uh, segment called Medical Files. Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Um, how are you, how are you keeping? Alhamdulillah, Doctor. I can't complain. You know, it's always a pleasure that having you here and having the listeners also uh, listening and benefiting from your vast knowledge. And may Allah subhanahu wa taala guide and uh, protect you and uh, bless us all. That uh, we've requested uh, you to be on board tonight so that you can share, because uh, many people don't know that doctors also a member of uh, AMSA, the Association of Muslim Professionals of South Africa. So that is a group of professional people uh, that consists of doctors, scientists, lawyers, attorneys, and all uh, accountants, etc. And uh, besides uh, their professional work that they do, they also serve uh, the Muslim communities uh, by giving advice, giving da'wah, etc. And this is all behind the scenes. So alhamdulillah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is uh, giving them uh, the best of uh, both worlds. They're doing their job and they're serving Islam as well. Uh, Dr. Jazakullah Khairan, tonight I want to discuss with you because of uh, public interest, you know, that uh, cancer first and foremost, I think the question that many, many people would like to ask, and uh, some of them even are afraid to ask this specific uh, question, is cancer a death sentence? When a person is diagnosed with cancer and uh, the doctor has to break in, you being a doctor yourself, and I'm sure you've dealt with many uh, patients before, how do you prepare yourself in uh, breaking the news 
to uh, a patient whether that patient is a Muslim or non-Muslim and you have to tell that patient that you are positive, that you are suffering from cancer. Uh, how do patients generally react and uh, is it a death sentence that your life is coming to an end, it's nearing its end now, so uh, you have to live those final moments before the final curtain comes down. G-Doc. Regarding your question, so, um, you know, uh, I think most people are aware that uh, the, the prognosis of cancer depends on how early it's detected. Right? Um, so, so we'll talk a little later in the, in the program, inshallah, about, about screening. Um, screening means uh, doing some kind of test that can detect the cancer in a, in a very early stage. And that obviously improves, improves the uh, prognosis. Uh, so the prognosis means uh, the cure rate, survival rates, uh, uh, so forth. You know, how the, how the patient will do after, after diagnosis. You know, uh, this, is, this is now based on, on uh, experience and studies and... Uh, uh, you know, uh, according to when diagnoses are made, uh, what are the usual survival rates? Obviously, doctors, scientists uh, have no knowledge, no definitive knowledge on this, and that knowledge is only the knowledge of Allah. Uh, but they make some presumptions and assumptions on the basis of of, uh, uh, of studying a number, thousands of cases, such cases, and coming to an average of how long patients will survive. In terms of uh, in terms of your other question regarding uh, breaking the news to someone, um, uh, I think whether it's a Muslim or non-Muslim, our uh, humanity as Muslims demand that we do it in a very uh, empathetic and and uh, uh, and kind manner, uh, because it's obviously uh, you know often uh, 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 this news is life-changing and uh, uh, requires. Uh, a lot of adjustment from from the patient in 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 in, in various different facets of their life. Gee, Doctor, you know, Jazakallah khairan for that. Uh, I'm sure that it's very difficult uh, for the person or the patient hearing that uh, he or she is diagnosed with cancer. Uh, bearing in mind, people and our listeners, that you you do get uh, different types of uh, cancer and a doctor will elaborate later on on the show, inshallah, uh, that how to deal with the different types of uh, cancer. Uh, doc, I just want to mention one specific thing, you know, that uh, post-COVID now, uh, three years or so onwards, that uh, almost 70% increase in uh, the number of positive uh, cases with regards to uh, cancer and ages ranging from as young as 20 years old and uh, going up to 50, 60 years old. And uh, mostly in, in, in people uh, who took the jab, who took the COVID vaccine. So a study has been done on that as well in the UK specifically. And uh, they found an alarming rate uh, of an, an increase of uh, patient uh, or cancer, cancer patients, and then uh, you know that is shocking. That uh, there's many factors that can contribute to this, but uh, most of the research, uh, because in your field everything is uh, evidence-based, you know. So uh, in the medical field it works like that. They call it evidence-based research. So uh, one research study showed that uh, uh, perhaps uh, the vaccine could be directly responsible for that. Doc, your comments? 
Doctor, you know that you mentioned now, I remember, you know, that many people who, who had to go for procedures during COVID, 
that that was delayed because uh, people who were po- uh, COVID positive that they were given preference. Uh, I I concur with that, you know, because I also had to go for a certain procedure, and uh, then uh, uh, they delayed it. I, eventually, I ended up up till today never going for that. But uh, that is uh, irrelevant, doctor. You know that you've mentioned skin cancer. So uh, what people normally want to know is that uh, when a doctor mentions the word biopsy and uh, you will explain to the people what biopsies uh, uh, you know as a layman myself so for me a biopsy is uh, most probably where they take a piece of your tissue uh, or they take cells from your body uh, to detect uh, you know if you have active cancer cells so that is according to my understanding but uh, just for the benefit of the public and uh, i know people are scared when they they, they hear they have to go for a biopsy what does it really entail doc that uh, when you have to tell a person the senior that uh, to ascertain if you are positive you have to go biopsy entails taking a small a small sample from the affected part of your body wherever it may be say in the lung or in the prostate or uh, or in the liver um, or lapopid in the brain Uh, but it applies primarily to solid tumors, right? So solid organs. Obviously you get cancers in the blood, you know, uh, leukemia and so, and there the ratio of testing is different. There you have to take blood and do some special tests on the blood, have a look at it under the microscope. So so when a biopsy is taken, um, sometimes the biopsy can be taken blind with uh, ultrasound guidance and just a needle into the liver and it takes a, you know, uh, it's called a true cut biopsy. It takes a, a special type of a needle that takes out a small part of the liver and that's sent for biopsy. Or sometimes it needs to be taken from the prostate through a scope that is passed into the bladder. So, so you know, the, the, the means by which the biopsy is achieved uh, varies according to which organ uh, is suspected of having the, having the cancer. But essentially a small piece of that organ is taken and sent to the laboratory for, for study under a microscope. Gee, doctor, so no. then they prepare, prepare the tissue and have a look at it under the microscope. And there's certain criteria that are used to diagnose cancer. You have to have so many, such a percentage of abnormal cells. And, uh, you know, there are certain strict uh, criteria that are used to diagnose. But, you know, a biopsy is the definitive, um, a definitive diagnosis for a cancer. Gee, so, so is there any risk uh, for the patient? I mean, when you're going to take a piece of Mufti, tissue... Mufti, I, I don't know if you can hear me clearly, but uh, you, you, your, your voice now is very faint. Gee, doc- okay, I, I can hear you clearly. So is there any risk for the patient when uh, a patient goes for, for, in biop- for, for a biopsy that uh, when they take a piece of the tissue, uh, doesn't uh, it increase the risk of, of cancer spreading after a biopsy is done? Um... Look, Mufti, that's why that, this is the reason why blind biopsies are never done. You know, it has to be under guidance of uh, some kind of imaging. You know, like um, usually it's under sonar guidance. Uh, so you you target the area that you know the scan may have revealed that, for example, there's an abnormal area in the liver. So you go directly into that area. Now, if 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 there's an uh, if there's an abnormal area in the liver, then you find similar abnormalities on, on scanning in the lung, then obviously that indicates that the, the cancer has already spread, right? Gee. Um, and then even if there's what we call seeding from the biopsy, it's not going to change the prognosis of that patient because now the, 
cancer has already spread to a distant organ. Uh, however, when you find lesions, uh, lesions mean like abnormal areas in, in a certain organ, and it appears to be restricted within that organ, then the then the procedure for the biopsy has to be very carefully done so that so that there's no spread from the biopsy. However, without the biopsy, a definitive diagnosis can't be made, and you can't. I mean, the kind of toxic treatments that are needed and uh, treatments with with major side effects. Uh, you can't just assume that it's a cancer without having definite proof. So, um, you know, it's a, a chicken and egg situation. Do you, uh, you know, you can't just treat a patient for a, something abnormal you saw on your CT scan on the liver and assume that it's cancer where, when you haven't proven it. And uh, that, that, that would not be uh, scientific and feasible, feasible at all. So, so you know, uh, utmost precautions need to be taken at the time of taking the biopsy to prevent uh, spread and seeding. And nowadays the techniques are available. Uh, however, uh, again, any invasive procedure is not without risk. Gee. Yeah, definitely, Doctor. Uh, you know that uh, we have to apologize to our listeners. Uh, it is load shedding there in a doctor's area in uh, Johannesburg. And unfortunately uh, for us here, we don't have load shedding yet. It's only scheduled for tomorrow. So if there's a break-in transmission, it is beyond our control. Doctor, That uh, there's certainly other factors as well that uh, could have possibly increased the risk of uh, uh, cancer, especially skin cancer, and that is people's exposure to radiation. Radiation coming from your cell phone, radiation coming from your microwave, radiation coming from 5G towers, etc. We are bombarded, uh, you know, we are being uh, uh, having surveillance in and around us. Uh, they are watching us, they are looking at us. So all of these things in and around us, our Wi-Fi, routers, etc. These things are transmitting radiation and radiation and uh, that actually kills uh, human cells. People don't know that that a person can suffer from a radiation poison as well, which can be toxic and uh, deadly and have long-lasting consequences, uh, especially if you're living with comorbidities, if you have diabetes, hypertension or any other uh, illness for that matter. Do you think that uh, if uh, people had to make lifestyle changes and cut down on uh, the usage or, of appliances or gadgets or, or move to a, an area where there's less radiation, then uh, that would improve their health quality, specifically uh, patients with cancer, doctor? My personal opinion is that um, these are definitely significant contributory factors. Uh, I, I mean, you, you know, how do we account for the increased incidence of cancer? Uh, you know, the, 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 the large increase in the incidence of cancer um, in, you know, the really in, in, in this century, let's just say in, this, in the 21st century compared to previous times, even taking into account uh, earlier diagnosis, earlier treatment, better detection, detection techniques, I, I don't think we can, we can adequately account for the increase in the, in the incidence without, without uh, factoring in the, the uh, causative agents such as radiation and all the things that you mentioned, including, including cell phone towers and uh, um, uh, devices and uh, all the modern amenities that we seem to be completely dependent on. And secondly, um, um, I think in terms of the food that we're consuming. I mean, we know the hadith, I'm sure you'll be able to quote it. Uh, I, I don't know the exact wording, but just to paraphrase that, that most or many 
diseases arise from the stomach. Gee. So uh, I don't know what the exact uh, the exact wording of the hadith. How come I called and the Nabi said something to that effect? Um, um, so I mean, we, we we've been told about this 1400 years ago, and now uh, uh, physicians and scientists are discovering that uh, you know. Uh, for example, genetically modified foods and preservatives in a lot of foods and so forth are, are, are major contributory factors to ill health. Yes, especially uh, processed foods, Doc. Definitely. So, it, it, uh, I think we can have another program uh, regarding this. Um, but from the radiation factor, uh, in Switzerland recently, in the last year or two, they've banned mammograms. Gee. I wanted to I wanted to highlight that now that the two things uh, mammograms and secondly that we need to have a special program just uh, dealing with uh, radiation and uh, radiation uh, poisoning. I think many people are unaware of that, but that will be a uh, separate program, most probably uh, just before Ramadan, inshallah. But uh, you were discussing mammograms, and uh, can you just enlighten the people? What's a mammogram? You know, we try and get an oncologist, cancer specialist, on you know to give us that that take on that. Yes. Uh, you know, um, so, so regarding the mammogram, they, they found that this, that they've been one that the detection detection rate was was low, especially in, in patients who had a low risk for cancer. Uh, so, so breast cancer risk is stratified according to whether the patient has a, has had another cancer, and also um, uh, there's a huge genetic component. So, if 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 uh, uh, a lady has a, a mother. Mother, sister, or sisters who've had cancer, who've had breast cancer, then their risk of getting breast cancer is significantly higher. Yeah. So in patients who didn't have this this uh, enhanced risk, that uh, the detection rate was extremely low. And uh, there are some studies that indicate that that uh, patients develop cancer actually after having because the, you know a, a huge amount of pressure is applied on each area of the breast, and then that is exposed to to ionize radiation, and uh, in Switzerland, their their researchers felt that this combination is is actually uh, poses uh, such a great risk to health that they've actually banned the mammogram. There are alternatives, ultrasound ultrasound work, especially in uh, uh, younger younger women and women with uh, with uh, dense breast tissue. Ultrasound has a reasonable yield, and there's another uh, procedure now called MBI, which works on uh, molecular technology and um, 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 you know it's part of it's a simple nuclear medicine. So so uh, those, those are specialized techniques which need to be discussed with uh, with with your on, on, oncologist at, at at the time. So so doctor, so you're basically saying that uh, people who go for screening. Who go who goes for mammograms specifically females because they are the ones that have to endure all of this. So uh, what about false positives? Because in this case, if they have to go, yeah, yes, the 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 ratio or percentage of false positives people are being diagnosed with uh, breast cancer, but uh, in reality, uh, it doesn't exist in them. You know, so that's a false positive. So it becomes a lucrative business for for, for big pharma companies and uh, those people who are raking in millions. Uh, having subjected women to these type of tests and screening. Okay, okay, you, you, you're completely right because uh, you know what is the chain of events is that uh, the the mammogram cannot make a diagnosis. The mammogram uh, is suggestive of cancer. What's the next step? The area where the mammogram was abnormal, they do a fine needle biopsy. They put in a needle and take out a piece of the tissue, and then often it comes back negative. 
But I mean, the whole procedure, patients have to go to theater and it's a, you know, it's a money-making racket. And and there are some women who are being encouraged to do do mammograms every year, which is really ridiculous. You know, uh, unless they have such a high risk of cancer. But obviously, even in, in that, in that scenario, the, the alternatives need to be need to be explored uh, because you know un- unfortunately there are there are some specialists who are just tunnel visioned and they will just follow this protocol and everyone must like a, like like puppets or dolls must mm-hmm. fit into into their boxes. No, so, so I mean that, that that's really not the practice of medicine because every every patient is an individual and needs to be treated as such. Yes, sir. They make us believe that it is the absolute gospel, and uh, because they call it evidence-based research, uh, you know, we don't know who's behind the research and uh, what is the, the the objective behind it. But at the end of the day, it's all about making money because that woman needs to go into theater. She needs to pay a medical aid. She needs to pay for this uh, procedure, etc. At the end of the day, the hospital and uh, and the fraternity is making money from false positives. The same thing they they did uh, during uh, COVID time. People right here on Marcus. Haba, voice of the Ahlu Sunnah, where we only speak the truth, you know, what our esteemed guest, uh, Dr. Imtiaz Dasu, giving us uh, the facts. Doctor, you've also mentioned, uh, you know, that we've uh, spoken earlier, and uh, you've mentioned something now that uh, brings uh, a hadith uh, to my mind, you know, and that is alternative therapy for cancer. So during the time of Rasulullah Wasallam, and we've discussed this many times uh, during COVID, uh, the incident of a camel urine mixed with a camel milk. Now, from, uh, you know, I, I'd just like to point out now that uh, what you've mentioned now, the World Hoax Organization or World Health Organization, whatever you want to call them, they outright claim and reject uh, that uh, it does not hold any specific uh, benefits uh, for 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 p- uh, patients uh, suffering from cancer, and then when you look at the independent research that has been done in Saudi Arabia and uh, other uh, places as well, and uh, thus you'll find articles, uh, research articles, peer-reviewed articles that has been published that, that they're actually busy extracting nanoparticles from camel urine because uh, nanoparticles has that ability to uh, penetrate deep into the tissue, the actual affected area, and uh, you know this was divine. Uh, from Rasulullah that he prescribed uh, camel urine mixed with uh, camel milk. Now, I'm not saying that it is permissible because ulama differ with regards to its uh, usage and it will only be allowed in case of necessity. But uh, independent studies have shown uh, you know that uh, I mean now in science uh, during the advent of science uh, that people found out that there's anti-cancer uh, uh, properties, anti-inflammatory po- properties, antimicrobial properties, and all of these things which uh, Rasulullah gave that time when he did a prognosis on those people who came from uh, Orena, the tribe, and uh, they were cured. It's only now that we found out that uh, the benefits of alternative uh, therapy, doctor. So how do you reconcile uh, that? You know, because some patients actually went for alternative therapy using camel milk and uh, camel urine uh, for six days up to 30 days and they felt better and uh, some of those cancer cells actually uh, were destroyed in the process and uh, here you have this body who rejecting all of that evidence and say it is uh, it has absolutely no medicinal uh, benefit for uh, patients suffering from cancer gee a few points quickly you know western science and western pseudoscience whether they agree with it or not if Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said it's got cure, 
and we believe it, whether the evidence is there or not. You know, that is the difference between us and the and the uh, atheist practice, those who practice atheist Western medicine. Yeah. So, uh, Mufti, I just wanted to make one comment about evidence-based medicine. It's been proven that there have been major yeah. manipulations, uh, uh, perverse incentives in studies which were supposed to have been ironclad studies proving the benefits of certain medicine. So, so the, the, you know, this concept of evidence-based medicine in the Western world has been has been uh, really um, uh, what's the word? <laughs> what is not coming to me? Has, has been really um, um, manipulated uh, to the you know purely for the benefit of uh, of, of profits. Yeah. So, so there's 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 uh, evidence-based medicine and evidence-based medicine. So you know we need to take that into account. The emergency authorizations for the for the COVID vaccines. We we know what. What uh, uh, what corruption? <laughs> We're still waiting for answers, doctor. Taking the vaccines are crying. Gee, gee. When they were advised not to take it, then you know we were dismissed as quacks. Yes. So, uh, so so everything must be put into context. You know, uh, every everything must be put into context. I don't think that people know who's behind all of this, who is pushing uh, for allopathic medicine to be the absolute uh, gospel. And uh, in that way, you know, they're discouraging people from using alternative medicines like Tibun uh, Nabawi or Chinese herbal medicine and all these other practices that uh, carried humanity for thousands of years. I mean that uh, we should have been all, be, all have been dead by now, doctor, if uh, we didn't subscribe to modern day medicine. How did our forefathers live before us? They didn't have access to all the technology that's available today and all the drugs that's, uh, that's available today, you know. So what Rasulullah prescribed that time, that was effective, and uh, that time the disease wasn't known. Uh, if you analyze the symptoms that were mentioned there, they had bloated stomachs, etc., and uh, they were affected by the the weather, then you could see most certainly they, they had some sort of, of uh, cancerous disease. Then that they only found out now, and there Rasulullah gave uh, them that uh, prescription, and uh, it worked, alhamdulillah. So we cannot discount uh, the sunnah and throw it away just because of a term that they coined, which is called evidence-based research, GDOC. And Sir Mufti, you know, we don't want our listeners or whoever else um, cares about this program to think that we are anti-science. Never. I've been trained as a, I've been trained as a, as a, in a Western institution, and we acknowledge that Western medicine has made great strides, especially in emergency treatments. Um, you know, whether, whatever, whether it's trauma-related, accident trauma-related, or whether it's, for example, um, uh, things like, uh, you know, heart attacks that have made great strides. Yeah. We must admit that in chronic diseases, there's, there's, there's a huge gap in what, in what uh, Western medicine proclaims that it can achieve and what it has achieved. So we ask people, we just ask people to be just asking our listeners and especially Muslimin to 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 uh, to have an open mind, mm. you know, and to con- you know to, and to consider uh, the, the real value. G. The, I, I definitely agree, Doctor, that we're not discounting science. Uh, you know, we say, we acknowledge that it exists. And uh, many of us, we went for procedures and alhamdulillah, uh, it, uh, it worked. And uh, because of that, uh, we can continue uh, 
uh, taking whatever we have to take daily. So these things, uh, it happens. So uh, Alhamdulillah, you know, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah has given them the ability uh, to help uh, people, but cure still comes from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So, uh, you know, we acknowledge that uh, it works, but people should also try alternative uh, therapies, doctor. Uh, too. I, 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 I don't know when I when did the call cut off. No, I I joined it immediately. That uh, you didn't miss out. We're still discussing that uh, alternative alternative uh, therapies, you know, and that as Muslim mean we should have uh, faith in uh, the uh, Sunnah prophetic treatments of Rasulullah Sallallahu as well, and not only uh, put our yaqeen in tawakul in a uh, Western medicine. That is basically what you said, uh, from what I understand and our listeners as well. I, I think uh, 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 therapies that are mentioned in Quran and Hadith that that should receive priority, you know, from a perspective of our of our aqaid and our iman, uh, without without uh, discounting the value of of other modalities, you know, mm-hmm. including Western allopathic medicine, and and the benefits need to be taken from from each of them. Uh, but our priority should what was what is wahi that's our priority. Gee, doctor, there's another b- burning question, you know, that uh, is cancer a death sentence? Uh, I think I asked it, I mentioned it in the beginning of uh, this uh, show, that uh, when people are diagnosed with cancer, uh, does it signify the, uh, that uh, your time is near? Because I know of cases, uh, I know people personally that were given uh, six months to live and then they continue to live for 10 years after that, eight years after that, etc. So sometimes a false pretense uh, is made that uh, you're only going to live based on the evidence that's in, uh, available in front of you and how bad the body is deteriorating. And uh, then based on that, a doctor makes an assumption that you're going to live for so long. So uh, how does it work for a Muslim practitioner? Does uh, he also, uh, uh, you know, that, uh, like yourself now, uh, do you also have to, to give a time estimate or do patients uh, request that from you? That, uh, Doc, how long do I have to live? I'm, I'm speak, speaking specifically about our Muslim uh, community. Okay, I think this is a this is a this is a question that can we leave for the second part? Okay, and we'll we'll delve into it more deeply. Uh, you know, we'll try and put together a, a panel of experts who can who can uh, you know uh, uh, who can advise even even you know uh, 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 proper trained Tibet Nabawi specialists and natural medicine uh, practitioners and as well as uh, Western trained oncologists. And inshallah, we we'll, we we can address this. I think maybe in the second part of our... I want to do our, that. I want to do that, Doctor. You know why? Because we want to combine uh, Tibun Nabawi with uh, allopathic medicine on one panel so that the people can uh, listen for themselves and benefit from there and see that sometimes uh, we're not at variance with one another, you know, but we're only selecting the best option that the body will be able uh, to, to withstand and uh, not just the pumping of... Uh, of uh, of drugs into your body. So when it comes to therapy, normally, doctor, that the people uh, most likely that they will be offered uh, chemo uh, therapy. I think uh, when they are diagnosed with uh, with uh, certain types of cancer. I've got I've got another commitment now. Uh, is it possible for us to continue with this discussion, inshallah, in our next segment? Yes, doctor, that is uh, absolutely uh, not a problem, inshallah. Please, that, uh, please, make, please make me mask. We will. Uh, it's just that I had a, another commitment, and this was a last-minute arrangement, so uh, I, 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 I had to fulfill the other commitment as well, please. No problem, doctor. We will have you on again when we have our specialist on, uh, our Tibbun Nabawi. 
and uh, and all these others will do another segment inshallah jazakumullah khairan to dr imtiaz dasu may allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant him all the khair and barakah and success and uh, protect him inshallah allah jazakumullah khairan dr assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi ta'ala barakatuh our respected listeners that was dr imtiaz dasu discussing uh, you know, the people and patients suffering from cancer uh, and highlighting a few points that it could be attributed to the mass rollout of vaccines that we've discussed so many a time before. Uh, we were vocal and uh, many, many ulama spoke out against it. Other ulama were inciting and uh, citing the uh, various verses and uh, they were encouraging people to take the vaccine and no one is taking responsibility for that today. Those people who promoted uh, the usage of vaccine, they have to go and study and look at the patients and people who are suffering from uh, this uh, uh, or, or at least from the side effects of uh, vaccines and its uh, usage and how dangerous it is because we had an untested product that was uh, declared fit for emergency use. And now three, four years down the line, we suddenly saw an increase in uh, cancer amongst uh, the various age group that we've mentioned on the beginning of the segment, and that is age or uh, ages ranging, uh, ranging from 20 uh, to uh, 50 to 60 years old, and uh, notwithstanding uh, 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 all other types of illnesses that uh, are associated with uh, the injection of this particular jab or this type of poison. Uh, one thing I would like to elaborate is the, that hadith that we've mentioned uh, where Rasulullah gave this group of people the hadith of the Orainiyin uh, that I've mentioned earlier now where Rasulullah gave them uh, permission to use a camel urine mixed with camel milk. So the hadith does not state, uh, you know, many people are asking and uh, they asking scholars as well. They've asked me also uh, that uh, what what's the dosage? How do we use when we come across this? So first and foremost, when you go to lands where there are camels that normally uh, people would discourage you, the health ministry would discourage you from uh, using that because they're worried about uh, viruses like MERS uh, that uh, originated in, uh, in the Arabian Peninsula. Even the Malaysian health ministry, that they also uh, they came to the conclusion that uh, people should not just use it, you know. So that is based on the, the evidence and signs that they follow. But when you look at it purely from a Sunnah perspective and you look at the difference of opinion uh, or opinions among the scholars, you will see that it happened during the time of Rasulullah uh, If it was exclusively for that people or can it be used in general? And then I, 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 I informed you about... Uh, independent studies that was done as well so these are certainly alternative avenues if uh, all other avenues fail so what do we mean when all other avenues fail that means if a muslim physician uh, says that you should uh, rather go for alternative therapy and it will expedite the cure uh, you'll become healthier inshallah that by using this particular cure like in this case camel urine instead of chemotherapy which uh, in itself is a poison on its own. Uh, you must see people after and before 
they commence treatment of a chemotherapy that itself it's a poisonous and it's very very sad to see people because they start losing their hair so uh, living with cancer or being diagnosed with cancer and uh, being a cancer patient and then having your loved ones around you also they also need to do uh, some research you know and it will affect them psychologically as well just like any other illness uh, respected listeners esteemed listeners sometimes the disease uh, amounts to 10 percent of a person's well-being or illness and the 90 percent that remains that is purely psychological so when a, uh, a doctor tells you that you are positive uh, that you are suffering from cancer uh, it depends on how you accept that news if it, you, you can accept it by saying that alhamdulillah this is from allah subhanahu wa ta'ala it is there as an atonement for my sins allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will elevate me in the next life allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has not forgotten about me allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given me this particular disease and uh, or this particular illness and uh, then you will be contented and you will be happy knowing that uh, you know whether as the quran mentions uh, that uh, when i am sick nabi ibrahim said that when i am sick that allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is uh, the being who cures me so we have reliance in tawakkul that allah subhanahu wa ta'ala cures but we are also allowed and permitted to use the necessary means that are available but uh, that means should not be more detrimental to our health so uh, when people go in for chemotherapy and uh, there's various results you know some doctors will say that uh, it is beneficial it will cure and uh, it will remove the tumor and it will lessen the tumor etc and uh, then there's also uh, a case of remission that uh, it will start growing somewhere else in your body etc because that is essentially what cancer is it is a growth inside the body more like a sore on the outside of your arm but just in the uh, in this case on the outside it gets vitamin d it gets sunlight etc and it has that ability to heal but inside it is moist and wet etc so there it grows and uh, what people need uh, to understand is that uh, cancer loves certain things and cancer hates certain things and uh, dr sub has mentioned earlier processed foods but one of uh, the more toxic substances that cancer loves uh, is refined sugar people should know that that cancer thrives on sugar refined sugar uh, are generally the sugar that we buy the white sugar that we buy in the shop that has been extracted from sugar cane so that is called the refined sugar and it loves acidity also and uh, some of the highest levels or doses of acidity comes from refined sugar so people generally suffering from cancer that is one of the foods that they need to avoid they need to avoid anything that has excess amounts of refined sugar in it whether it be soft drinks whether it it be a cakes whether it be biscuits anything that is produced commercially these type of things uh, you know that will exacerbate uh, the cancer that is in a person who's been diagnosed with it so that's why allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has commanded us to eat healthy allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has commanded us to eat that which is pure and that command was given to the prophets as well that is what cancer loves so people need to stay away from that so uh, towards uh, you know you get different stages of cancer stage one two three and four and form stage four is normally uh, the end of the line is where your life will near its end and uh, that is when uh, people suffer from pain and uh, people will suffer you know tremendously and at that point there's basically nothing that doctors can do for you uh, except put you on some morphine and uh, put you on some drugs that will take away uh, some sort of nausea that you might be suffering from the intake of morphine 
and uh, that is what they do. They will have to increase the dosage of morphine to sedate you so that you don't feel uh, that pain. So you will be in a semi-conscious state and uh, that is when your body tissue starts to eat away from inside depending whether you are suffering from uh, cancer, lung cancer, stomach cancer, uh, cancer of the pancreas, etc. Uh, all of these things, you know. There's also another aspect that I would like to discuss uh, with our listeners tonight and that is a product called uh, as an alternative therapy and it was discovered recently and that is vitamin B17. Uh, you might not have heard of this before but vitamin B17 are the seeds that you'll find in a stone fruit. Stone fruit will be cherries, stone fruit will be apricots, stone fruit will be peaches and all these things that we find during our summer season. So these things are called stone fruit. So if you do your own research, and that is what doctor alluded to when he said that we should not only accept whatever uh, Western medicine has given us, because definitely uh, respected the listeners here on Marqa Sahaba, you know that we will not live longer than what uh, that, uh, which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has decreed for us. There's no extension in life, but we can live healthier. So I've met a a patient in a Durban area, I think sometime uh, last year, so he's in his early 80s, and that person suffered from prostate cancer, and he went for all the different uh, therapies that Western medicine had to offer, and it was unsuccessful, until someone told him about vitamin B17, and a vitamin B17 he bought, he ordered, and that he... Uh, bought from a health shop. So you'll find it at health shops. It's about 80 rand or 100 rand uh, per 500 gram or 250 gram, depending on where you buy this. And he started taking this and the directions for this, it, it is printed on the label. So you're only permitted to eat three or four of those seeds per day. You cannot eat more than that because it has and contains cyanide and excess amount of cyanide can kill a human being so uh, according to the research uh, that the average or uh, maximum amount that people can use a day as an alternative therapy for cancer or treating cancer various type of cancers are vitamin b17 uh, respected listeners you can go to your health practitioner your alternative health uh, uh, therapist you know and discuss with him or uh, the possibility of including that in your diet. And when I spoke to this person, he said uh, that uh, after usage, he went back to the doctor and the doctor was quite amazed that uh, there was absolutely no trace. And uh, this is, you know, Allah's my witness, this is the actual truth that happened. We had this conversation and there were other ulama present as well. So uh, because I used to speak about COVID, so he decided uh, to discuss uh, his medical condition with me. And then he said, I went back to there's a doctor uh, who treated me using conventional therapy for for uh, the condition that I had. And he said, had, you know. So when he said had, I said, so what you're saying, uh, that you don't have it anymore? He said, no, it's gone. When they uh, did a biopsy again, when they took samples of my tissue and uh, they checked myself, etc., it was completely gone. So vitamin B17 actually eradicated uh, the existing cancer that was uh, in his prostate and it also uh, uh, cured him completely so alhamdulillah Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has not sent down a disease except that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has also sent down the cure for that disease and that is the belief of uh, the Muslim ummah of the Ahlu Sunnah wal Jama'ah so you'll find it uh, respected listeners in the fruits that I have mentioned now so these are natural uh, anti-cancer 
uh, or, 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 or therapy uh, that kills cancer cells in a patient and how magnificent Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has uh, created this universe that uh, these cures are placed in and around us and that's why we have specific fruit in specific seasons that we have to enjoy you know because that is what the body requires during that particular season Allah's given you water melons and Allah's given you sweet melons in summer because of its high water content if you're not diabetic then you can consume uh, of that and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given you guavas and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has giving you oranges in the winter season because your body needs more vitamin C uh, during uh, those periods uh, so dehydration uh, for example during summer you'll need that uh, summer fruits and in winter you'll need your winter fruits and that is how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has placed cures in and around us it is just that we became so indoctrinated uh, by listening to what western medicine and uh, those people who are promoting western medicine um, uh, in uh, in many cases they're only in it for the money yes as doctor said you know that uh, they've made strides over the years and uh, they have cured certain illnesses certain diseases and with regards to surgery as well there's many procedures that they can do that can save the lives of many many people and that we acknowledge and that we salute but where you can find alternative therapies that are less toxic on your body less harmful to your body then you can uh, engage in that also but also after consulting a medical practitioner, a specialist in the field, a naturopath or someone who deals with Tibu Nabawi. There's uh, so many, many alternative uh, therapies out there. It is just uh, that uh, it has to do with our yakin. Our belief is in uh, modern medicine and that's why we adhere only to what uh, these people are telling us. So uh, you know that uh, we have to find alternatives. We have to think back to the time of Rasulullah when none of these procedures were available and they had to do with what was available so some of the medicine and remedies that were prescribed by Rasulullah that came through wahi you know Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala of course had revealed to Rasulullah and then others that was readily available was because of people's vast knowledge of medicine even during those days and medicine are normally based on experience after experimenting with certain ingredients you will find out which thing works the best for you something might work for you but it won't work for another person that's why even there you still need the advice of a medical practitioner why because rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam has warned us uh, and and this is very very important respected listeners sometimes we give medical advice and uh, we are not trained and qualified to do that you know uh, as far as ulama are concerned that uh, many of them they study kitabu tib in uh, the the in the final year or in the fifth in the final year they will do all these chapters which are included in uh, the various compilations of uh, the books of hadith that they study so don't think that ulama are oblivious of uh, tibbu nabawi they know it is just that they don't have an audience and when they do speak and promote uh, tibbu nabawi alternative therapies then uh, the first question people will ask is where is your medical qualifications so i normally reply to them that since when uh, is your particular allopathic practice the absolute gospel where did allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reveal that only your type of medicine that you practice that is the absolute gospel and the truth is only in that because science has shown us so much uh, different things you know and uh, speaking on the topic of cancer one should not forget that a product that was so commonly commonly used uh, by many many of us you know and i think most probably still being used today that has been banned completely in the united states but it is still exported to south africa africa 
and uh, some other countries that also causes cancer. And you can read about this, uh, you know, is Johnson's and Johnson's baby powder that it has been banned and they they were found guilty and uh, they were sued for billions of dollars uh, because of not disclosing the fact that it uh, causes a type of cancer. And yeah, we were using it innocently because we were taught to believe that it makes the baby smell better. It is uh, the pH balance of that particular product is uh, absolutely spot on and it is not harmful for babies and uh, all the while that uh, that product might have stimulated uh, the cancer cells in you all of us we have cancer cells in us some of our cancer cells are active some of our cancer cells are inactive those people with active cancer cells they will get these tumors and they will get these different type of growths that will grow into their body and it will spread from there so uh, you know so products like this uh, if people don't do their own uh, research about it and read about it then they will be oblivious they will go out and purchase it and they will use it why because science has dictated to them uh, so sometimes we have to apply our own intellect we have to read just as we are careful and cautious about what we put inside our body uh, dr sab has mentioned you know the hadith that uh, the worst of containers you know sharlu wiqal al button that the worst of container that insan can fill is the stomach because majority of uh, diseases majority of our illnesses and our conditions comes from what we put inside our stomach and from there the nutrients will be absorbed it will go into the liver it will go into the pancreas uh, it even uh, you know into the rest of our organs and if it is nutritious and wholesome as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has ordained then the body will derive benefit from that and if it is not nutritious if it is toxic if it is laden with sodium huge amounts of salt sodium or uh, refined sugar for that matter then it will become toxic so what you are basically doing you are adding fuel and adding fuel now imagine that is a car and you are overfilling your car what will happen to the car the fuel will start spilling out from there and that becomes hazardous likewise your body can only absorb certain nutrients in certain amounts you can't overdo anything so that's why the stomach that is uh, the entry point and uh, the stomach is the vessel to various types of diseases if we have to cut down of many of these things that we buy instead of uh, you know purchasing it rather uh, manufacture and do it and bake it at home wallahi al-azim then we would be more healthy people and people would uh, visit uh, these uh, practitioners less so uh, that is only uh, focusing on the diet aspect of one's health so uh, the better your food the better quality that you consume the healthier you will be at the end of the day uh, if you stick to junk food and if you uh, are surrounded by radiation and everything you pop in the microwave, microwave dinners, microwave this, microwave that, then uh, of course you will activate your own cancer cells. And uh, these things sometimes uh, science will refute and they will say that no, that the, the impact of these things is not so harmful. So we don't measure the amount of harm. Harm is harm in Islam. Whether it is minute, whether it is a, a, a huge amount of harm, it all has the same ruling, you know. So we have to see and look, listeners, and read that where is the benefit and in, 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 in differentiate between benefit and that which is harmful. 
And inshallah, if we do that, and that was the advice of Rasulullah sallallahu that when in doubt, istafti qalbak, then ask your heart. You know, if you want to know fatwa, then ask your heart. Ask if, if this product is detrimental to your health. Ask if this particular therapy is detrimental to your health. Your medical practitioner needs to disclose uh, to you the procedure beforehand, and he also needs to tell you the calculated the risks involved in uh, using a certain drug, using using a certain chemical, or going for a certain procedure. All of those things, you know, that he is uh, uh, bound by law uh, to tell you all of these things. The only time they got away with it that I can remember was uh, during the COVID period when uh, they were dishing out uh, these jabs left, right, and center. So Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam said, Remember that sometimes we give advice, medical advice, and we're not trained to give medical advice, you know. So uh, when we do this, then remember the words of the Nabi alayhi salatu wasalam. He says, Man Whosoever uh, practices medicine, and uh, it is not known from him that he studied medicine. And I just want to say here uh, that Rasulullah said, Tibun. So this uh, word here is nakira, meaning that it is indefinite. So Rasulullah did not specifically, uh, specifically refer to Western medicine. Or, or Greco-Roman medicine, or Chinese medicine, or Ayurvedic medicine. He, he said generally, with whatever medicine is being practiced out there, whosoever engages in that, and he is not known as a specialist, he's not known as a person who, who knows medicine or who knows uh, pharmacology, uh, the, the combination of how to, to mix drugs, etc., uh, to cure people. Then that person at the end of the day, he will be held responsible. He is liable. If something happens to that patient, then he should be held accountable for that. However, on the contrary, if that person is known, he studied, he trained, and he has his expertise, and, uh, you know, he conducts in a manner that, uh, and according to the ethics of Islam, then inshallah, then that job will become a reward for him as well, because he is engaging in uh, treating the creation of Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So we should be careful, non-specialists uh, should be careful that uh, how we conduct ourselves regarding these things. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala put khair and barakah in all of this, inshallah, until we meet uh, next time right here on Marqa Sahaba with me, uh, your uh, host, Ibrahim Smith, on uh, Medical Files. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi ta'ala wa barakatuhu.